Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Well, I'll tell you, there is uh, no other place I'd rather be than with y'all right now doing this. I can straight up tell you that. Um, Wow. Thank y'all for uh, entering into worship today. It's been so rich. It is so good. So thank y'all for that. So, you know, freedom is a word that we hold near and dear to our hearts for a lot of reasons. Usually when we say freedom, we start, th- we, we start thinking uh, patriotic stuff. You know, we start thinking the flag and Star Spangled Banner, and, and, and that's good. Please don't misunderstand. That's good. Uh, folks that serve our nation and armed forces and uh, who's, stand up if you have served or are serving in armed forces, any branch. Just stand up. Let's, let's, honor, let's see some of these folks. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much. Thank you all. So, you know, we appreciate you guys, and, and we think about freedom and, that, and that, that because of that. I mean, we're here today because we live in a free country to be able to do this, and I praise God for that. Um, and so that's a good thing, and we, we, it's, it's, a, it's an important thing that we hold near and dear to our hearts. But as Christ followers, freedom is also something we hold near and dear to our hearts. Because the, the Word of God makes it abundantly clear to us that one of the beautiful um, privileges and blessings of knowing Christ as our Savior is the freedom that He gives to us. And man, He just blesses us with freedom in so many ways. Just to be, uh, the, the ability, yeah, I mean, you know, we have the, the freedom under the laws of our nation to be able to do this. But man, just the freedom to be able to do what we have done today and what we're doing today and just offer our, our lives to him in, in worship and to sing to him and to say the truths, man, that I am I'm no longer a slave to fear because I've been set free by Jesus. The way that you're not a slave is because you've been set free and Jesus has set us free. And there's so many things in our lives that do bring fear and anxiety and struggle and cause us to lose sleep and things like that. And yet, the truth of the matter is because we have freedom in Christ, we do not have to be a slave to fear. Look at these verses. we got some verses that talk about freedom. If we can pop those up there on, uh, on, the, on the screen. So look at these verses. And look at what the Word of God says about freedom. Paul said in Galatians 5, verse 1, he said, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, so don't be burdened or yoked by that slavery anymore by being burdened again by that that burden of slavery and what he's talking about there is the slavery to sin the slavery to the old testament laws and all those not that we discount those and that we, oh you don't have to obey the 10 commandments anymore we don't that that's not what i'm saying but we are, we're saved by Jesus, by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, in Jesus. And that's the, where the freedom comes from. And then Jesus himself there, said there in John chapter 8, You will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And that's a verse that's been taken out of context a whole lot of times by a whole lot of people in a whole lot of different circumstances. But the way that you know the truth is if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the 
truth, and the life. So when you know the truth, Jesus, then truth, Jesus, will set you free. When you know the Son, you are free indeed. And then Paul said again in 2 Corinthians 3, he said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, where is the Spirit of the Lord today? Right here. And so there is freedom right here. There's freedom right here. And then the psalmist said, man, in my time of distress, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I know from my Friday pray day, one of the things that happens on Fridays when I pray for you, uh, most of you church members know this, but just really feel led. I'm not that as, as your pastor, I'm supposed to pray for you. <laughs> you count on me to do this on Sundays and you count on me to pray for you. That's what the word of God says I am supposed to do. And so on Fridays, I take Friday mornings. It usually takes me, I don't know, three hours or so to pray through our church membership from A to Z. And we have people whose last name begin with Z. And so we go from A through Z, and I pray through our church membership uh, almost every Friday. It, I try to every Friday, but it, uh, and so I pray for it. And then you know a bunch of you, you'll get a text from me every now and then. says, hey, I'm praying for you today. How can I specifically pray for you? Because, you know, when I'm praying for everybody, I don't know everything about everybody. I can't. So I want to find out, give me some specifics that I can pray for you right now. I'm calling your name out to the Lord right now. So how can I pray specifically for you right now? And not everybody texts back, and that's okay. I mean, you know, we all get a bunch of text messages. Maybe you miss it, and I'm, I, don't, I don't go, well, they didn't text me back. I don't do that kind of stuff. But a whole bunch of people do. Because I showed up, I, I need people praying for me. I want people, and there are people in here who know what I'm struggling with. And so I want to know. And man, you, so a bunch of people will, will, will text back and say, man, this is what's going on. And stuff, sometimes I know, you know, sometimes you'll text back and I'll say, yeah, yeah, I think, okay, you and I talked about that. I know what that's going Can you still pray? I'm still dealing with this. But then some of you, man, this past Friday, you just laid some stuff out there to a bunch of you did. That let me know that there's a bunch of you that are in distress. There's a bunch of you in distress. There's a bunch of us. Let me, let me rephrase that. There's a bunch of us in distress because of life and because of all kinds of stuff. But look, if we will call on the Lord, he will answer us and he will set us free. So there's just tremendous freedom when you know Jesus and there's tremendous freedom in Christ. And that's because Jesus came to set us free. He came to set us free. He came to set us free from the slavery of the law. He came to set us free from the strength of temptation. I know temptation is strong. Satan is cunning. He's, he's our adversary. And so temptation is strong. But Jesus came to set us free from the strength of temptation. He came to set us free from the sentence of death. Because if you don't know Christ right now in this room today, or you're watching this service today, and you don't know Jesus, you are right now sitting with an eternal sentence of death on your life. That means if you die today, you're going straight to hell. Can't put it any plainer than that. But Jesus came to set us free from the sentence of death. He gives us life. He came to set us free from Satan's accusations. Because some of you, the, the, the distress that you're in is because you keep hearing the enemy whispering to you, what is your problem? 
Why are you so messed up? I thought you called yourself a Christian. And you're thinking that stuff and you did that and you call yourself a Christian? Those accusations. Jesus came to set us free from Satan's accusations. And today he came, that we'll talk about, he came to set us free from the sins of our past. He came to set us free. And I pray that today, that there's some folks in this room today that find freedom from your past sins. Well, now your past sins can be something that you committed a sin, some sins that you committed a year ago that you're still battling. Five years ago, 25 years ago, something you did back when you were a teenager and you still have huge regret and weight from that. Or, or your past sin could be when you pulled in the parking lot out here and that's your past sin. And, or this morning or yesterday or this week, whatever it, whenever it was. Or maybe it's like what we talked about last week and it's that, it's that hidden sin. You know, that's your past sin. You're just still trying to hide it and keep people from knowing about it. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, the truth of the matter, the truth of the gospel, the truth of why we are here today is that today, today, in the next few minutes, you can absolutely find freedom from any and all of your past sins. Amen? You can. So grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 51. Right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 51. Hope you got your Bible with you. If not, try to look on with somebody, or if you got the Bible app on your phone, look it up. If you don't have the Bible app, you need to get it. It's really good. But I knew I was going to get an amen on that one. Psalm 51. All right, stand please, and let's read this, uh, this psalm together. This is David writing. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, God, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. We're just saying this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, God, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom. Thank you, Lord, in the secret heart. So please purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. God, please create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then, after you've done that, Lord, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Y'all did some good singing aloud this morning. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I'd give it, God, you will not 
not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, listen to this, y'all. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. The NIV, NIV says you will not ignore. If you've got a broken heart here this morning, God is not going to ignore you. You have God's full attention this morning if you have a broken heart in this place. Do good to Zion and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then, I'll, then you'll, will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. So help us now, Holy Spirit, who is present with us and innocent among us. Teach us. Help us. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. So this psalm, this psalm is David's response to the prophet Nathan confronting him about his sin with Bathsheba and all that happened there with David and Bathsheba. Now, just a show of hands, how many of you know the story or are sort of familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba? Raise your hand. All right, a whole bunch of you. I'm going to do a real quick overview of what that story is all about and tell you what happened there and what, it, what it's all about. This psalm, but let me tell you a little bit about this psalm. Psalm 51 is what's, it's, there, there are about seven psalms out of the 150. There are about seven of them that are called the, the penitential psalms. And what that word means, penitential psalms, is they are psalms where the psalmist is saying, is re expressing regret and sorrow over sins that he has committed. And so you got about seven of them where the psalmist has just poured out his heart to the Lord uh, and confessing his sin and wrongdoing. Psalm 51 that we'll get into, you'll see that. Another one, though, is Psalm 32. You don't have to turn over there because I just want to read a couple of verses from Psalm 32. And listen to what David, this is from David too. And he said, when I kept silent, in other words, when I kept this sin to myself, I didn't talk to, I didn't talk to God about it, I didn't talk to anybody about it, I kept it to myself. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through groaning all day long. For day and night, Lord, when I kept that sin, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the days of summer. But when I confessed my sin to you, when I said and acknowledged my sin, and I did not cover up my iniquity, and I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, you forgave me of all my guilt. And so that's what we see in these penitential psalms. These psalmists just poured out their hearts and said, this is what I've done. And now we come to Psalm 51, and this is the story. It's David's response when the prophet Nathan confronted him. Now, David's story of, Dave, of him and Bathsheba is in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now, if you want to turn over there, you're welcome to. I'm not going to preach that whole thing, but I want to run through it real quick and give you the highlights, the sordid highlights of what happened with David and Bathsheba. Psalm, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. First verse says that in the days when the kings went out to battle, David's the king. He's the king. And he was, everybody loved him. I mean, he, he just was this amazing king. And it says in the days when the kings went out to battle, in other words, the king was supposed to go to battle with his armies. In the days when the kings went out to battle, David stayed home. So point number one is David was he, was, he was not where he was supposed to be. He should have been out fighting a battle with the guys. Instead, he was back at home laying on his couch. 
He was where he was not supposed to be. He was not where he was supposed to be. Verse number two says this. He got up from his couch, walked out up on, onto the roof of his palace, walking around, looked down, saw a beautiful naked woman bathing next door. So the second point is, number one, he was not where he was supposed to be. Number two, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. That's verse number two. The train is leaving the station now. Verse number three, he inquired about her. Who is this woman? Well, hey, isn't she Uriah's wife? That's what some of the guys told some of his servants. She's Uriah's wife. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He saw something he wasn't supposed to see. Point number three, verse number three, is that he desired something he was not supposed to desire. That ain't your wife. You don't have, but he's standing there ogling this beautiful woman taking a bath. And the lust starts and the passion starts. And the, so the train has left the station. The train is a runaway train now. And then verse number four through the rest of the chapter, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. Go get her. I'm the king. Go get her. Bring her to me. Brought her to him, brought her into the palace, slept with her that night. She gets pregnant. Oh, my goodness. I got to do something. Got to cover this up. Well, let's bring Uriah home from the battle. Go bring her husband home. Well, the husband's out fighting a battle. Sure enough, he's going to want to come home and hang out with his wife, right? I mean, that's what a husband would want to do. But because Uriah was so faithful to the king, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He slept outside. He wouldn't even go in and sleep with his wife. His beautiful. He could go have some fun with his wife as, instead of hanging out with the guys in the battlefield, but he wouldn't do it because Dave was hoping that's what he would do, come home, go be with his wife. And then, oh, congratulations, y'all, we're going to have a baby. Well, when that didn't work out, David said, I, I tell you what, let's do this. In other words, I got to keep this thing, I got to keep this thing hidden. I got to keep working on this. All right, so I tell you what, y'all send Uriah back out there on the battlefield. Get him out there where the fighting is the the fiercest, and then once y'all get him out there, listen to what has happened. Listen to where David has gone now. Y'all pull back away from him and leave him out there by himself. In other words, be sure that Uriah gets killed, which is exactly what happened. And so once Uriah gets killed, David goes and brings Bash. I'm so sorry about your husband getting killed. And she comes and moves in with him and becomes his wife and stuff like that. And then it's like, and then after he becomes, she becomes his wife, then they're going to have a baby. Isn't that wonderful? The king and his new wife are going to have a baby. And David's like, whew. <sighs> Covered it up. Got it. Got this taken care of. But there are two verses you need to know about. The last statement at the end of 2 Samuel chapter 11 is this statement. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David thought, nobody knows. But there was one that did know. And it displeased him greatly. So just like David couldn't hide anything from the Lord. You and I can't hide anything from him. And if there's sin in our life, it displeases him, just like he was displeased with David's sin. But then here's the next, the very next statement, first statement in chapter 12 is this. 
Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Nathan was a prophet. And God sent Nathan to David to confront David with his sin. So maybe God sent me here today to stand before you and for us to confront our sin, but also to make this application with this message today, and that is, application please, freedom from our past sins is available for every Christ follower. God sent Nathan to David to confront his sin. We'll look at Psalm 51 and see what happened there, but I'm telling you today, freedom from our past sins is available for every Christ follower. In order for us to have freedom from our past sins, I want to give you three simple but serious prayers that we need to pray from Psalm 51. Prayer number one is this. I did it. That's it. It's a prayer. It's just a prayer of confession. I did it. I did it. When you look at the first six verses of Psalm 51, you see where David says that. He says, I did it. Have mercy on me. I did this, Lord. I did this. No more excuses. No more cover-ups. No more hiding. It's time to confess. Not, I did it, Lord, but I couldn't help myself. That ain't confession. I did it, Lord, but it was his fault. No, that's not confession. I did it, Lord, but I didn't mean to. That is not confession. I did it, Lord, but there's a lot of folks doing worse things than I'm doing. No, that is not confession. Confession says, I did it. I have sinned. It's my sin. Look at what David said there. He said, I know my transgressions. I see my iniquities. It is my sin. Iniquities. Iniquities are those sins that we do. It's the sin that, that is, is, is a deep-rooted, deliberate choice. Listen, listen, listen. Iniquities, I know my iniquities. Iniquities are a deep-rooted, deliberate choice with no plans to repent. David didn't plan to repent. He had done it. He had sex with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, had her husband killed, covered it all up. He had no plans to repent. That's iniquity. Transgression is just this willful I'm going to do it. I see it. I don't care. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you preach on. I don't care what the Bible says. I see it. I want it. I'm doing it. I don't care. That's transgression. Sin is just us missing the mark. It's missing the mark. The mark is this. The mark is what God says to us, how we're supposed to live our lives. And when we sin, we miss this. It's like shooting an arrow that falls short of the target. We miss it. And that first, that first confession is just confess it. Confess it specifically. It's my sin. It's my iniquity. It's my transgression. And confess its seriousness. Sin, we talked about this last week with our secret sin. And this could be secret sin. Sin always has consequences. It affects you. It affects your family. It affects this church. We have seen that. How the sin amongst God, among God's people 
will affect this body of believers. It affects the entire body of Christ when you and I sin. And sin, sin brings death. Uriah died. The baby that David and Bathsheba conceived died. Do you know that? And then they had another child, Absalom, their son Absalom. He ended up dying later on. Sin brings death. Every time you sin, something dies. A relationship dies. Your passion for the Lord dies. Your commitment to the church dies. Your love for the Word of God dies. Your desire to pray dies. Sin always brings death, but then you've got to understand how serious it is because David said, Lord God, against you and you alone have I sinned. Yeah, he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against his family. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against the entire nation of Israel, but ultimately it was high treason against God Almighty. Every time you sin, every time we sin, it's sin against God. Don't ever minimize the seriousness of sin. Even if you think it's just one of them little sins. It's not one of those big ones. Whatever your little sin is. You get over here and run your mouth in some little gossip. That's not that big a deal. Yes, it is. It'll destroy a church. Well, that's not that big a deal. Yes, it is. And stuff dies. And it's, you're sinning against God. So prayer number one is, I did it. Prayer number two is, I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. That's a prayer of cleansing. First is a prayer of confession. The second is a prayer of cleansing. God, I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. When we, when we read these verses, verses 7 through 12, we can see what happens when God pours out his grace and his mercy into our lives when we confess our sin. Look at verse 7 there. He says, purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be white as And when you confess your sins to the Lord, you are purged. You are cleansed. You are washed. Some of y'all like to boil crawfish. You have to purge those things and get all the junk out of that crawfish so he'll taste good, right? Man, when, you, when God forgives you, he purges the junk out of your life. That's what he does. Look at verse 8. Look what he does. Let, the, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Man, when you are in sin, you are miserable. Yeah, it might have been fun to commit the sin, but the after effects and the consequences will make you miserable. And it feels like your bones are broken because they are broken. Your spiritual bones are broken and only God can bring healing, but he will. When we confess our sins, look at verse 9. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. May God blots out our iniquities. The Word of God tells us in Hebrews that He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Word of God tells us that He casts our sins into the depths of the deepest sea anywhere. He blots our sins out. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. God, Only God can do that. Only God can give you a clean heart. You can't do it. I can't do it for you. But when you confess, God, I did it, then you get a clean heart. Look at verse 11. Cast me not away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the worst consequences of sin. Is that sin kicks us out of the presence of God. 
It kicks us out. I don't care how many times you come in church. I don't care how many times you sit in a church service. If you have sin in your life, you are not in the presence of God. But man, our confession restores and brings us back into the presence of God and restores the joy of His salvation. Man, look at that verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Man, I'm telling you, you don't lose your salvation when you sin if you know Christ. If you don't know Christ, you ain't got salvation. But if you know Jesus, you don't lose your salvation. But my friend, my brother, my sister in Christ, you lose the joy of your salvation. And man, you become a soured up saint that just sits there and just is just mad at the world and mad at everybody around you and has these hidden agendas and you're looking for ways to hurt people and you're trying to figure out ways to do things and because you just are out of the presence of God and you've lost the joy of your salvation. And so we need to pray, God, I did it and God, I need your forgiveness. And then prayer number three is this. God, I want to live for you again. That's a prayer of consecration. A prayer of confession. God, I did it. Prayer of cleansing. God, I need your forgiveness in prayer of consecration. God, I want to live for you again. I want to live for you again. I want to live for you again. A prayer that says, I'm not going back, but I'm moving forward in my walk with Christ. And what does that look like? Let me tell you what it looks like. Wrap this thing up. Look at verse 13. Then... After I've said, God, I need your forgiveness. God, I did this. I confess my sin. I need your forgiveness. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. In other words, you're going to witness. The best testimony is the testimony of somebody who knows how lost they were, how wrong they had sinned, how badly they had sinned, and how much God's grace has been poured out in their hearts and lives. Man, they're going to tell some folks. They're going to tell some folks. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. I'm going to tell some folks about this. You're going to witness. Secondly, look at what else happens there. Then my tongue will sing of your righteousness. My, my, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You know what you're going to do? You're going to worship. You're going to sing the praise of God. Man, when you realize just how desperately you needed the forgiveness of God and how much He has forgiven you and what it took for Him to forgive you because Jesus had to die for you. In order, for you to, in order for you to have that forgiveness. And then when you realize that, you're going to be a worshiper. You may not be up here playing an instrument and singing up here and stuff like that, but you're going to be worshiping the Lord. You're, you just can't help yourself. You have to worship the Lord when you realize how much you have been forgiven. And then there's one more I want to give to you. Another W word, witness and worship. You know how with my little alliteration. Let me give you one more. Look at verse 18. Last statement of verse 18. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. What's that have to do with anything? The cities had to have walls around them to protect them from the attacks of the enemy. If a city's walls were down... The enemy could rush in from all sides, do whatever he wanted to do, destroy the city, kill people, rape people, do all kinds of, steal everything. Horrible things happen. Horrible things happen when the walls come down. And when you and I sin, we, we tear the walls down around our lives when we sin. And I will straight up tell you something. 
the instant that you do that, the instant that you commit whatever that sin is, the instant that you do that, I'll tell you something. The enemy is not going to waste any time. He's going to come rushing in. As soon as you tear those walls down, the enemy's rushing in. He is there to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to destroy everything he possibly can for as long as he possibly can until you finally get to the point where you're so miserable and your bones are so broken and you're so miserable and the weight of God's hand is so heavy upon you that you finally come to church one Sunday and hear the preacher say that you got to pray, I did it, God. I need your forgiveness. And once you do that, boom, those walls come back up. And you're protected again. But until then, your walls are down. And the enemy is already in. And he's going to do everything he can to destroy your life. Let me tell you something else that you need as far as those walls are concerned. You need some people in your life that will speak truth into your life. Some people that you can be real with. Some folks that you can be real with, with what's going on in your life. One of the reasons why so many of us stay so wrapped up in sin is because we keep it right there. We don't tell anybody about it. It's that hidden sin. It's that secret sin. It's that sin we don't want anybody to know about. We don't talk to anybody about it. We're not going to tell anybody. But you need to have some people in your life that you can be real with. And then if need be, they'll kick you in your tail and say, you need to get your life right. What is going on with you right now? You need to have some people in your life that you can go to and honestly and just gut it out with them and go, man, I've been looking at porn. I'm so neck deep in porn. I need some help with this. Man, I've been drinking way too much. I've, I just can't stop. I'm, I've been drink Man, I've been flirting with the guy at work and I'm getting so close to making a decision that's going to wreck my life. Man, I've been running my mouth in gossip and I know it's hurting the church and I know it's hurting so many people. You need some folks that you can be honest with about that. And they can help you rebuild those walls and keep those walls up around your life. I got guys in my life that have the right to ask me anything about my life. Anything. They can ask me about my marriage. They can ask me about what I do on the internet. They can ask me about how I spend my money. They can ask me anything that they want to ask me about. Because I know that I have to keep those walls up. I have to keep them up. My wife depends on me keeping those walls up. You depend on me keeping those walls up. My daughter depends on me keeping those. My grandkids depend on me keeping those walls up. God, I want to live for you again. So invitation. Invitation is for anybody here that needs Jesus, you need to be saved today, so come to Christ and be saved. A bunch of us have done that, but then there's a whole bunch of us that need to pray those three prayers today. And you got that sin right there that you've been hanging on to. And let me tell you something, my friend, it is time for you to get rid of that baggage in your life. It is time for you to get rid of that baggage in your life. It is time for this to go. It is time for these past sins to go and to get rid of that baggage. And today is the day that that needs to happen. Why in the world would you walk out of here today still drag? This ain't got nothing in it, but the sin that you've got is like a thousand pounds in this thing. And why would you walk out of here today still trying to drag that thing around and still trying to pretend like that you're going to be okay when you know you're not going to be okay? So today is the day that some folks need to go, I did it. 
And let me tell you something, this is a safe place for you to say that. You're among a good group of people, folks, here in this place, folks that will love you and take care of you and walk with you. If you need to just say, I did it, and I need God's forgiveness, and I want to live for Jesus again. You can walk out of here today with complete freedom from all of this junk. That possibility exists because of the grace of God being extended to you today. So let's pray. So the altar is open. Anybody that would like to come to the altar and just get on your knees before the Lord right now, you're welcome to do that right now. We don't have to sing. We don't have to be singing. Don't have to do nothing like that. If you know you need to come on down here, then just come on. If you need to come to this altar today and get on your knees before the Lord. And you just want to get, you just want to get right with Him today. Tired of playing the game. I'm not going to play anymore. Not, not going to go through the motions anymore. Today's the day. Getting it right. Getting it right. You want to come get on your knees before the Lord at this altar? Come on, you can do that right now. Others of you, if you want me to pray with you, I'd be glad to pray with you. Come on. Anybody needs to be saved, you come on. Give your life to Christ today. But man, just do what the Holy Spirit of God who is present with us and in us and among us is telling you to do right now. And don't miss this opportunity to find freedom today. Find freedom that Christ offers to you today from your past sins. So, Father, help us today now in this invitation to do what you're calling us to do, to be obedient to your call upon our lives right now for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray.